Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. I've entitled today's message, uh, An Extraordinary Life. An Extraordinary Life. A wise person once said that the difference between an ordinary life and an extraordinary life is a little extra. A little extra. Just a little difference. A little extra. But here's the thing, everybody who chooses to live an extraordinary life goes through this process of assessing what little extra do I want in my life? What am I looking for? Am I looking for an extra, a little extra money, a little extra fun? Am I, am I looking for a little extra applause from people? Is that what I'm looking for? Is it something else? Many of you are familiar with the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And if you've never seen the movie, Tis Now the Season. So you can uh, pull that up and watch that on Netflix and so on. It was a uh, Hallmark movie before Hallmark started making movies, if you haven't seen that. But the principal character in the movie, George Bailey, lived life with this assumption that an extraordinary life was all about escaping the monotony of a small town and the living that was oriented around that. And he wanted to experience a little extra adventure in his life. That was what he was longing for. I want you to listen to this little snippet what he said to Mary, the woman who would eventually become his bride. And he says to her, Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm going to leave this little town far behind. I'm going to see the world, Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and I'll go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to go build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers 100 stories high. And I'm going to build bridges a mile long. And if you've seen the movie, you know he goes on and on and on. And uh, in fact, as I was reflecting on it this past week, I kept thinking, you know, young George Bailey had extraordinary dreams that reminded me of sort of a 1950s version of Elon Musk. I mean, think about it. I'm going to build electric cars that go really fast and launch satellites into orbit and send people to Mars. And it's the same kind of thing. And some of us, are really captivated by that kind of enthusiasm, that kind of, of worldview, and we want that kind of extraordinary life, many of us do, but what if from God's perspective, an extraordinary life is actually something quite different? What if it's something more broadly achievable? It's not something that God ordained that just you live, but it's something that he entired everyone to what if the extraordinary life is attainable regardless of your age or your net worth or your educational accomplishments? What if the secret to an extraordinary life was really more about who God wants us to become rather than what we might want to do personally or professionally? If you read the Bible, you figure out after a while that extraordinary life is really all about Christ-like spiritual development, which in our generation sounds kind of boring. It sounds kind of sleepy. That's how we think of it in our culture. Consequently, lots of people have sort of drifting away from the church, you know, nationwide and so forth, because they're, they're looking for a life that has more pizzazz, more zip, more energy. But what I want to say to you this morning, what if the extraordinary life of Christ-like character development that God ordained for every one of us to live, what if it's more exciting than you would expect? 
What if it's more radical, more transformational, more energizing, more adventurous than you might imagine? See, in our generation, many are against that kind of thinking, not because they've done it and found it to be wanting. They just haven't done it. And they think to themselves, that's sleepy. I don't want to do that. I want a fast electric car. Or I want this. This morning, I want to walk you through one of the many passages in the Bible that paints a picture of the extraordinary life that God envisions for each of us. A a life that's more fulfilling. A life that's more meaningful. A life that's more relationally rich. A life that you were made to live. And my challenge to you is if you'll listen carefully and put into practice the words of this particular passage, and we could read many passages like this this morning, but we're going to look at Romans 12. If you have your Bible, open it to Romans 12. And as we walk through this, these verses together, my encouragement to you is just, just listen, reflect on this, and give it a try. Give it a try. Maybe some of us have tried it, and it's like we kind of felt like we struck out, and it's time to get back up to the plate. Maybe some of us have heard it and thought, "Ah, I'm going to try something else first. And you've done that and you found that to be uh, not all that. And it's time for you to engage in this. Maybe, Maybe some of us are some different place, but my encouragement to you is listen close and let's pursue the extraordinary life that God envisions for each of us together. Romans 12, listen to these verses. I'm going to start at verse 10. The whole chapter is fantastic. If we had time, we could work our way through it. But we're going to start at verse 10 and work through three or so verses. And just invite you to follow along with me in your Bible or on the screen here with me. The scriptures say, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now this passage kind of is not filled with hype, like much of marketing in our culture. It's it's just filled with lots of practical insight and counsel from God on how to live life in a way that will lead to an extraordinary life when it's lived out. The passage is full of secrets to living God's kind of life. And for the next few minutes, what I want to do is draw your attention to some of these these secrets and apply them to our lives quickly as we go. And my hope is that you'll listen close and that you'll walk out the door today with a renewed commitment to leading the extraordinary kind of life that God's called you to live. Because God's life, the life he has in mind for you, is extraordinary in this kind of way. The first secret to living an extraordinary life, according to this Romans 12 passage, is it's when you and I choose to live with a little extra love in our lives. A little extra love. Just look at the verse. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, I want you to think with me. If we were to ask churches across our land, do you love your pastor? Of course. That's what they would all say. They would say, of course we love our pastor. That's what they would say, right? I mean, do all of them truly love their pastor? We know the answer to that as well as not. But, but here, you all have done more than say you love Lori and me, right? 
I mean, think about it with me. I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about it here in the last uh, months. Uh, you all have done more than just say you love. You've shown your love for Lori and me by honoring us. Think about this, by honoring us with a sabbatical. After serving here for 30 years, you, you gave us three-month break. No work required during that period. You didn't leave me to starve during that, to starve during that period of time. You know, like some churches would. You paid us during that period of time. Actually gave us a little bit extra money. Some of you are saying, what, what, what? You gave us a little extra money so we could, could pay for campsites and some things of that sort. So it was, it was a blessing. You, you didn't just say you loved us. You expressed it in practical, tangible ways, and we're grateful for that. You've modeled this verse, this verse right here. Now, why is honoring those we say we love so important? You know, if we fail to honor people we say we love, you know what happens. They end up feeling used not loved, right? You with me? I mean, many companies say they care about their employees, but since they don't really honor them, they don't really treat them with respect and that kind of thing, what happens? Their employees feel used. They're just a cog in the corporate machinery. I'm a number. I mean, this is where this mindset comes from. In the same way, Churches use pastors, families use mom or dad or the grandparents. I could go on and on. This is, this is rampant in the culture, the ordinary world in which we live. But those who genuinely love, what do they learn to do? They always learn to honor those they say they love. It makes the difference between somebody feeling used and someone feeling valued. God's dream for your life and mine is that we honor and value and sincerely love the people all around us. It's an extraordinary way of living if you really stop to think about it. Who in your personal life is it time to honor in some way as a genuine expression of your love? Maybe you've been saying you love them and it's sincere and let me just say, words matter. It's important to express your love verbally. But how are you honoring them beyond just words? Maybe God's got an idea that he'll bring to your mind this morning or in the days ahead. Another secret to an extraordinary life that's found in Romans 12 is, is when you and I live out a life that's marked by a little extra effort. A little extra effort. Think of it this way, what is the difference between a traditional Thanksgiving dinner and an ordinary Sunday afternoon meal? It's a little extra effort, isn't it? Some of you thinking about that a lot this past week. Maybe a little extra expense on some occasions too, right? But a little extra effort. Enthusiastic effort is foundational to a special meal, an important project, and an extraordinary, vibrant spiritual life. And all of us have got to invest effort if we expect our spiritual lives to have anything that's extraordinary about them. I mean, that's, that is one of the marks, and that's part of why, why Scripture says so clearly, never be lazy, which that's the ordinary way of approaching a spiritual life that you see so common in our culture. Just lazy about it, sleepy about it. This passage is saying, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically, enthusiastic effort is one of the foundational 
platforms upon which an extraordinary life is built. You and I live out a little extra love, a little extra effort. The difference leads to an extraordinary life. It'll set you apart from sort of the ho-hum spiritual crowd that's out there trying to look like Christians, but the truth is, at best they're sleepy, and at worst, it's not real. So third uh, secret to extraordinary living that shows up in the, the text here, it's when you and I live with a little extra hope. You know what the great threat to hope is in our day? It's cynicism. It's the fatalistic mentality that says, what's the use? Why even try? Do you know why you and I, of all people, have good reason for extraordinary hope? Do you realize that if Trump is impeached, do you realize if some whack job is elected to Congress or to, to be president someday, that we still have reason for hope? Do you realize that you and I have reason for hope if the economy would completely implode and our 401ks would have a zero balance? Do you realize we have reason for, I could go on, you know, all the of our culture, but I'm not going to. My point is, you and I have good reason for hope, and this is why, right here. This is it. I've read the end of the book. And spoiler alert, the good guys win. The good guys win. Our king rose from the dead. He's soon going to uproot all evil. All of us who put our faith in Jesus are going to get a fresh start. We're going to start next time with more than we end with here. I could go on with this, but we need to rejoice. We have an extraordinary confident hope because the one we serve is alive and is going to assure that our hopes are not dashed. Friends, that is a little something extra that you live with that the rest of the world doesn't. This is one of the reasons why Scripture repeatedly says in Colossians things like, you know, don't just think about this the things of this world, but think about, think about the things above. What, what's, it, what's it trying to say? It's not just you know, think about the stars and the heavens or something. It's challenging us to remember that we have a confident hope and we don't have to live in a cesspool of cynicism. And if you and I will lay aside the fatalistic mentality, which I'm first in line to want to mourn losses of that sort, but we got to lay it aside and and embrace the confident hope that is ours. When you and I do that, when you and I do that, we are choosing to live an extraordinary life in an ordinary world of cynicism. It'll make all the difference in the world. For you and the people around you, you were made for that. Another secret to living the little extra in life is when you and I choose to live with a little extra patience. According to Romans 12, look at this verse. The middle of it says, be patient in trouble. Just read that little phrase out loud with me. 
Be patient in trouble, just for entertainment's sake. Let's read it one more time together, that phrase. Be patient in trouble. The passage is saying you and I need to be patient, especially when we're in trouble or some hardship comes our way or so forth. Which, you know, in a world of, in an era of Instagram, Instacart, instant pots, and instant gratification, <laughs> patience is countercultural, right? It is not ordinary. And instead of behaving in an ordinary fashion and making excuses, the scripture is appealing to us to, to embrace the extraordinary as a way of life. Because it'll set you apart from the rest of the world in all of the right ways. In all of the right ways. The Bible says this in James 5, 7 and 8, kind of paints a picture that I think is, is a wonderful picture that would serve our purpose as well. It says, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. Just think about that. Let's pause. You know, they plant in the spring and then they have to wait. And you're waiting for rain and waiting for rain. Months you're waiting for rain. And eventually, Lord willing, the rains come at just the right time and just the right amounts and the right frequency and so forth. And then, and then, uh, goes on and said, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. They know that after waiting for that time, there's a harvest that's coming, and it's just saying, you too must be patient. Take courage. It's one of the secrets to sustaining an extraordinary life is that you and I have got to be patient in a world where it's ordinary and common to be impatient. In fact, it's socially acceptable you can start a conversation at any water cooler in America with a story of how you were tempted to be impatient and you gave in. And somebody else will chime in with you. Oh, yeah, that's happened to me. And they'll go right down there. And you were called to live an extraordinary life. You and I were called to be different. We were not called to be weird. We were called to be patient. It's extraordinary in the world we live. Another secret to an extraordinary life that this passage lays out is when you and I live with a little extra prayer as a part of our lives. I like this verse in the latter part of verse 12 there. It just talks about, it just says, keep on praying. Keep on praying. The implication is just be patient and persistent in your prayers. Just, just keep at it. Just don't stop. Be relentless. Just just keep at it. There are at least two kinds of prayer. Probably more, but at least two. The first kind of prayer I'm going to call this morning for description's sake, entitlement prayer. Entitlement prayer. What do I mean? This is how entitlement prayer goes. God, this is going on in my life. I got this problem and I deserve better than this. And you're banging on heaven to change something about my life because I deserve better than this. If that's a struggle in your life, listen to last week's message. I would encourage you to go back. Last week we talked about extraordinary thankfulness or gratitude. You remember that? Some of you? Three of you? Yes. You remember that? Maybe we need to listen to that again. Because we live in a very ungrateful culture, and honestly, if you want to live an extraordinary life, gratitude will set you into a league of your own if you live with gratitude sincerely. 
But if you listen to last week's message, you'll realize that God, I deserve better than this is crazy talk to oneself. I don't deserve better. I really don't. The truth is I deserve worse in a lot of areas of my life, but uh, uh, God in his mercy doesn't give me all that I deserve. And there needs to be a fundamental transformation of how I think. And this passage, Romans 12, is not appealing to entitlement kind of prayer. What it's really appealing to is that we need a different kind of prayer. We need to keep on praying this other kind of way because the Bible teaches that life is a spiritual war, okay? It's not a candy shop that we all go through the shop and we all get to sample the candy. And, oh, she got two pieces. I get two then. This, this is the way we live life ordinarily in our culture. This is fundamentally not reality. That kind of thinking. The fundamental reality, according to Scripture, is that you and I were born into a spiritual war between genuine good and evil that will one day climax with good triumphing over evil. The battle's been won, but it hasn't been fully realized yet. It hasn't been full. I mean, the mop-up process is not done yet. And consequently, because it's a war... You pray differently in war. Any of you veterans? Come on, raise your hand. Again, three, three of you. Let's pray for our country and pray for all of us here. But um, when you're in war, you pray differently than when you're walking around Silver Dollar City looking for another mug of hot chocolate. You just pray differently. Oh, my chocolate's out. Ah! That's a different level of trauma. Would you agree? A different level of motivation. The scriptures are saying persistent prayer is needed because we live in a war. And we need to pray for governing authorities. We need to pray for employees. We need to pray for employers. We need to pray for spouses, children, friends, neighbors, extended family. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray and not Give up, because evil plays for keeps. And extraordinary lives are marked by a little bit of extra persistence in prayer because you and I recognize the nature of life for what it really is and not what we wish it was. Just spend a little less time in la-la land about what's going on in the world and spend a little more time thinking about, oh, this is, this is why certain things are as difficult as they are. It's, it's not because I deserve something different. It's because we're at war spiritually. Extraordinary lives are marked by a little more according to the passage. If you just read Romans 12, according to it's, Extraordinary life is marked by a little bit of extra help. <clears throat> a little bit of extra help. You know, one of our ladies here at Southwoods um, lost her husband to some heart issues this past year. And another of our families invited this um, woman to live with them for a week because they knew that she was going to be kind of fearful 
living on her own for a while. That was a sweet and kind-hearted gesture of hospitality and help. Your Rotary Club, your school group, whatever you're part of, they may bring a meal, and that's a good thing. Yay them. It's extraordinary to open your home to somebody else for a week. We've had people do it for longer than that. I don't know what all of you did. I, I'm quite sure that somebody here, if we had time to go around and find out, some of you invited people who were real close to strangers to your home for a Thanksgiving meal this past week. It's a kind-hearted thing. Hospitality of that sort. It's extraordinary. In a world that's oriented around self-centeredness and give me and I deserve and, and you and I were made for more than that. It's an extraordinary way to live to show help of the hospitable kind. Is there anyone in your life that God's maybe been prompting you to help in some way? Now maybe throughout this message you've been thinking to yourself, okay, well the extraordinary life sounds like it probably involves some things that I wasn't thinking about when I just thought of the title of extraordinary life, but and maybe you're thinking, you know, that's how I want to live. That's, that's the kind of person I truly want to be. And, and I can see how there would be adventure associated with that that maybe I wouldn't, you know, on the surface of things think of. But, but how on earth do I do that? That is so not normal. It is so not how I routinely live. It is so countercultural everywhere I look. How do I succeed at doing this? Which is this brings us to the seventh secret to living an extraordinary life. And this is the primary secret. And again, um, it's often not tried in our culture. But if we're going to succeed at living an extraordinary life, each of us needs an extraordinary Savior right in here, inside of me. Because last week I pointed out that the primary problem in the world, you know, is not all that wacky stuff going on in the culture out there. It's, it's, not, it's not Congress. It's, it's not the school board. It's not whatever, whatever it is that you and I think. It's not, it's not Gen X. It's not this, you know, it's, it's not millennials that won't keep a job. It's, it's not the things that often we think. From God's perspective, the real problem in the world begins with moi, me. Only thing I can truly fix, or at least try and sincerely have some influence, is me. And you fix you. And we all fix, with God's help, ourselves over time. And the world's a very different place. This is the way which world and cultures and cities and nations change, globes change. Sin entered the world this way with one person and then two people and then the family and then it just spread that way. Well, guess what? You know, transformation and godliness multiplies the exact same way. It begins when you and I invite an extraordinary Savior within our hearts and lives and He gives us the strength 
and the vision in our minds and hearts to live day by day differently than we would otherwise. So I just ask you, have you invited Jesus to save you, to forgive you? Have you invited Jesus to fill you with his spirit? Because let me assure you, you need his spirit. You need more of his spirit. I need more of his spirit than I need of my spirit. I need more of him. I need his thoughts. I need his desires and motivations. I need, I need all of him I can get in me. As do you. We invited Jesus to walk with you every minute of every day. See, the great need is not to have Jesus come and sit with you during the service this morning. It's a, it's a good thing, and I hope, and I believe he does. He, he's hanging out here. He's among us. You don't see him with your eyes, but you can sense him with your spirit often here. He's here. But the great need is not for him to be here. The great need is for him to be here with me tomorrow morning about 9 o'clock when I fire up my email. I need him, you know, later tomorrow when I, you know, start with meetings. And I need him on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And you do too. This is what gives the capacity for an extraordinary life because he's the only one who's proven that he can live it and sustain it. That's what every one of us needs. So we invite him. Invite him to come. Invite him to fill you with more. Invite him to walk with you, not just this morning, but every minute of every day this week and next week and the week after and the week after that and the rest of your life. Because Jesus' effort... Or Jesus' presence plus your effort in the ways we've talked about. Jesus' presence, your effort in the ways we've talked about, will lead to an extraordinary kind of life. A life that you cannot predict what adventurous things God will, you know, will weave into your path. You have no idea. We can't imagine that fully. What we do know is that with his presence, my effort the result will be that I will become a different kind of extraordinary person as I live out whatever adventure he has in mind for me to live. And it'll lead to meaningful relationships and greater joy and a greater sense of contentment about life and opportunities that I couldn't have dreamed of on my own and others will be blessed. And, and when it's all said and done in the end, I'll look back and say, I wish I'd have started doing that sooner in my life. That's what we'll all be saying. So will you give it a try this week? Will you do it? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Hope that you'll think about what we've talked about this week and more than think about it, that you'll... Uh, Give it a try. Just want to say before I pray, we're going to have uh, some baptisms today after the service. So if you've, uh, maybe you've never been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, just let us know. We can help you with that because it's, it's, a, it's a biblical practice and it's where you surrender your body in the water. It's, you're identifying yourself with Jesus when he was nailed to the cross and died and buried. It's kind of the picture. When he came up out of the water, or I, I'm blurring my own metaphor, 
when, you know, when, you, when you came up out of the grave, when Jesus did resurrect from the grave, you're identifying with that when you come up out of the water of baptism. It's, it's a beautiful picture that God intended for every one of us who call him Lord and Savior to, to participate in. If you never have, we can help you with that. But uh, if you've never seen one, we want to invite you to stay and watch that and join us in that one of these days. I want to invite you also to pray and fast with us tomorrow. Uh, maybe you got the email this past week. If you didn't, if you missed it, uh, just shout at Jackie or email her and she'll send it to you again. But we've got some permitting issues with Overland Park that could delay our access to that side of the building until well after Christmas Eve. So that's a pain. I mean, part of why we started all this, the timing we did is because we were trying to get done early and blah, 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 blah. Many words, bottom line, would you just join us in praying and fasting about it tomorrow? I thought fasting was appropriate as I reflected on this after we all asked about it. After this past week and Thanksgiving, I need to fast. <laughs> so it's, get, it, you get, it's a win-win. You know, you need to, and it's good from a spiritual standpoint. So join us in that with you would tomorrow. We'd greatly appreciate that. And then uh, if you need prayer this morning before we head out, come on down front. We'll pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Glad you made it today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are an extraordinary God. There's no one in the heavens or on the earth, visible or invisible like you. You are in a league of your own. We are grateful that you've called us to serve you. And we're thankful that you've called us to live a life that's extraordinary. Where your presence plus our effort in the ways we've talked about leads to something, a kind of life that's meaningful and different and in all the right ways. God, I ask that you'd help us. Help us to keep this kind of living front and center in our thoughts. Help us to Help us to walk in the power of your spirit and not just in our own efforts. God will give you credit for all the good that happens. As we leave this place, would you leave with us? Would you guide our thoughts, our words, our actions, everything about our lives? We rejoice that our confident hope is rooted in you. Thank you. Go with us now. This is our prayer. We lift it together in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Bless you all.